Well, like I was saying uh, earlier today to my coworkers, a little paranoia goes a long way. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We're the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks. And today, traveling across the sea. Over the ocean. With a, with a Kickstarter. The big program. pond. Yes. Over over the the small slightly smaller pond. Wait, no, the Pacific is bigger than the The smaller the, pond. And then the another Atlantic. pond. Which which one is bigger? I think the Pacific the is Pacific bigger. The Pacific is bigger than the Atlantic, isn't it? That's my understanding. Okay. It's been a little while. Across since the larger third grade, pond. But, but assuming that they will be flying westward. Yes. So maybe that's a bad assumption. I don't know. They're coming out of New York. Well, you know what? We're going to find out because <laughs> today <laughs> we're going to have a chat with Annalisa and Eric. Yes. Uh, this will be a, a phone call interview. Um, so we, And we told them that they have to come to Portland and, eventually, and chat with us yes, in come the hang, RL. Hang out. I, I don't even know what either. You may not be real people. You may just be two people that... Two actors that Guthrie have hired that, you know, are on the phone. <laughs> By the way, that's a great script you wrote for that, them. That would be <laughs> a grand scheme. <laughs> right? That's actually my um, passion is project is inventing fake. No. <laughs> they're, they're really. <laughs> yeah. No, Annalisa's they're, here. <laughs> Annalisa was at least here once before. I, I wasn't here when that happened. Though. Yeah. But anyhow. They're, they're two of our favorite authors, writers. Uh, video makers, photographers, and all-around bicycle adventurers. So we're going to talk about biking. Yeah, this will be fun. Let's let's. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's jump in. Oh, okay. Let's, let's talk about our week. Oh, how's, okay. How's your week been, man? You doing all right? Yeah. Everything okay? I think I'm doing okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you you enjoying this cold snap we got? Oh hell yeah! I bet you yes, are. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, fuck you. I, I, <laughs> I was joking to my coworkers when I came into work today. I was like, I almost wore gloves this morning. <laughs> you almost wore gloves. <laughs> it's Jesus. like it's, it's almost a glove. It's almost a glove morning. I had it's two so pairs crisp. of gloves. <laughs> to, to be clear, I didn't wear them both at okay. the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. I I had one pair of gloves for the morning and then one pair pair of gloves for the afternoon commute. Well. You know where places that it's so cold that you might just need or want two pairs of gloves to have a beverage? Uh, that would be inside the coolers at the beer mongers on Southeast Division and 12. Yeah. Which don't go inside the coolers. They will be yeah, upset at you. Just, just open the coolers to grab a beer, but don't it, actually. It's actually more your... convenient to open the front of the cooler. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So thanks to the beer mongers. <laughs> um, I'm having a <laughs> Nice. I I for one am drinking a Lionheart Ginger Fix kombucha cuz it's delicious. And uh right here just 
because of the cold snap, I too am having a Lionheart. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No. T- for Tim Mooney. Lionheart. Kombucha. Ah, nice, um, nice. Feel, feeling the kombucha. The, uh, what was it? The one that had all the Pacific Northwest on fire that was around a week or two ago. Wild. Wild land. Land. That yes, was on fire. Yes. On the label. Yes. Uh, that was very spiky or not spiky, but like not spiked in the alcohol sense, but just like, whew, that, that, that's a kombucha. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway. That was a strong one. <laughs> yeah. So thanks to the beer mongers as always. Um, and as equal and even more thanks to our generous Patreon supporters and listeners near and far, whether or not you're part of the program, we appreciate you yes. tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thanks for lending us your ears, as they would say. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's it was a good week. Uh have enjoyed the cold snap. Um, I was reading a really interesting book that is written by an author that uh, didn't grow up where I grew up, but is now living where I grew up. Uh, her name is Mary Emmerich. And she wrote a book, speaking of, and this is where I got on the wildland and the Ah, fire topic. Yes. Um, She was a firefighter uh, or a wildland firefighter for most of her career and recently came out with a memoir about two years ago. And I've been kind of on this project to read all of the books on my bookshelf. Um, And if I like can't bring myself to read them to like find another home for them, because I've always just had this like goal i guess like just a goal to to have read everything that accumulates there because oftentimes i'm like oh sweet this is like a notable or like somebody recommended right. this, this is or a cool like, looking somebody, book somebody gave me this, this and i was deep. like sweet i'll totally read this and then like i do, don't get around to it until now because <laughs> all, the, all the books that are there are the books that are getting read um but it's really interesting because um she joined the um firefighting scene in a time where um, women were really like fighting tooth and nail to be allowed to fight forest fires Um, and and kind of not the very first wave but like that crack in the industry that tiny little crevice upon Uh which equality like works its way in um, in regards to gender equality in in the um, firefighting realm and so her memoir like not only in the way that it reminded me of like so many stories that I heard growing up about firefighting and about uh, like work on trail crews and just like living that seasonal life, which has been a large part of my life until like relatively recently. Yeah. Um, but it, it like spoke to me, but also spoke to me from a completely different perspective than I had ever been able to experience, which is part of why I love books. Um, but also <laughs> it's, it's a really fantastic read. So I, oh. Right uh, yeah, took a weekend and uh, finished that off. And so what's the title again? It's called um, Heart of Fire. Okay. Yeah. Right on. going to triple check that. <laughs> of fire. We'll get our fact checker intern on this. Fire in the heart. There we go. Fire in the heart. <laughs> I knew it. I had all fire. those words, but not in that order. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really good. I'd encourage uh, anyone who's looking for a good memoir. Yeah. Uh, to give right it a on, go. right on. And the rest of the week was uh, programming, so <laughs> <laughs> and a couple bike rides. Right on. Ooh, and eating some figs. Yeah, it was a good week. Ooh, it's still fig week, huh? It's still fig week, but they're getting frozen out. I bet. Uh, we we just just barely got our uh, second bloom, is what I would call it, because here in Portland we typically get a good crop in roughly the middle of July. 
And then if we have very hot weather in September going on late October, if we're very lucky, we get a second crop. And this oh. was like 70% of a second crop, which is good enough for me. But sure. I, sure. I like I have my ears to the trees. I'm the fig, <laughs> the fig whisperer. Right or, on. Or at least the person who knows all the fig trees. Where they but, are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like I love just taking walks and I'm like, oh, I just took a walk an hour ago. I know, but there's still figs on that tree. Okay, I could take another <laughs> walk. <laughs> so, sounds good. It's like the highest what I'm just kind of like a sugar so, head, so it's the highest sugar content in like a fruit. Yeah, I can that, see that. Figs or that dates being like really sugary. Oh yeah. yeah, dates would beat them out. I do. Do dates grow in Portland though? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Anyone writing in Let from the Portland area? We no? should find that out. I know any, the dates are popular as a as a um, food additive, and by additive I mean ingredient. Um, in terms as of like sweetener. natural sweeteners. Oh hell yeah, man. Yeah. I, I'm off that sugar train. I mean, I'm not totally off that sugar train. You're off that high I fructose. Train. I can't quit you, sugar. Damn it all! I he just says can't as quit he you. puts down his tootsie roll. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a moment today <laughs> earlier uh, in the studio because uh, we have this candy that's mm-hmm. hanging out, and you had an automatic reaction, didn't you? I grabbed a Jolly Rancher, and I went to open it, and I said, <laughs> "No." Yep. No Jolly Rancher. I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. And I, and I didn't. I even went so far as to like hold it in my hand for a while and just was like, nope, not going to do it. Mm. It was nice. I, I, that felt good. Yeah. And now I'm going to go home and eat some ice cream. Good on you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. Well, ice cream is pretty tasty. <laughs> it is. Yeah. How was uh, your week? It's all right. I'm trying to figure out if, because I know humans in general, but especially me, we have kind of a a short-term memory for weather. We're always going to complain that it's too hot in the summer, and we're always going to complain that it's too cold in the winter. Uh, And I'm wondering, is is it a cold snap that we're having, or is it normally this cold? Because there is a point in time when the weather starts changing like this mm-hmm. where I start telling myself I'm so not ready for this yet. I wouldn't call it like where I'm at in just how I feel about that question Yeah, is that we're at the lower end of normal. Okay. Like it's yeah. not, if it had frozen, like if it had frosted, I would feel like maybe cold That snap. is not normal. Like that would put it, well, th- uh, yeah, I guess like early for this time of yeah. year. Okay, um, that's maybe a better way of Like I think that. of frost on the ground and I think of like early I November. I did see frost on the ground oh, okay. up on, I mean, we're talking marine drive, oh, like up yeah. near the Columbia River gotcha. as well, I was biking. It's certainly been colder, but like, I guess like with the glove thing or like I, like that, that's me just being like my tolerance <laughs> zones, you know? Right, like, right, of course. I didn't have to put on the big old puffy jacket yet. Right. So it must not be a cold snap. You got the uh, slightly slightly less puffy less jacket. Less puffy jacket, yeah. Yeah. Um this is this is like it for me, man. <laughs> I don't have another layer. <laughs> you want my jacket? I can't put. I'm good for now. I'll bring the sleeping bag to the studio. I, It'll but be like old times. This is there's always a period of time where like the weather starts changing and I'm already got like everything. Mhm. You know, I'm already loaded for bear, so to speak, and I'm like, wait, I if some if it gets worse than this, I I don't have anywhere to go. I'm just not gotta, ready. I'm not ready yet. Just gotta buy Carter. Well, yeah. Eventually, <laughs> I get used to it and I yeah. start layering down again. But. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like because it's been clearer, therefore it's been colder because right. 
that's just kind of how it's going. That's how weather works. Yeah. yeah. It, and like, if you, if we look back, so looking back at like the last five to 10 falls in Oregon, there have been a significant percentage, I'd say well above 50% in which at this point in time, the leaves would be mostly down because it's been raining and okay. it's been overcast. Yeah. I would say the last, not as well, a little bit last year, but particularly two years ago and this fall in particular it's been drier later and so i kind of judge that by like percentage of leaves on trees at this point versus in the gutter and i feel like we had a good bit of rain but it wasn't before everything fully turned like if we got if we got a nice rainstorm this weekend it would be it would be ta-da it's winter you know right um but we're not quite there yet not so i feel like it's hanging on (laughs) oh that reminds me yes uh so we have a pet spider at our house named Orbit the Destroyer. Is it like a, a spider that you sort of just adopted or you actually went out and got a pet spider? Well, like all true pets, um, it chose who us. Who rescued who? It chose us, chose <laughs> us and we chose okay. it. Um, there's been a spider that's been on our railing and like all two of our roommates like noticed. Um, and uh, so we've been like getting bugs in the house and just like putting in, them in the web. It's it's an orb weaver, uh, which is a common spider that's born in the springtime, but they are typically noticed in the fall because that's when they start to oh, mature. Oh, right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And they can get pretty big. So uh, yeah, it's just been really fun. Like my, my like speaking of my, I guess I'm talking about my week again, but my week has that's been like, right. looking for, uh, looking for like little bugs <laughs> or like going out to the back and like trying to find some ants and then putting them in the spider web. Oh for man. Orbit. Really? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I didn't take it like a video or anything, but it's right, really fun because right. when we do it at night, uh, Orbit will come down from the rafter where Orbit sort of has like their um, like home base or like it's their living room. And then like the web is just there to catch things. But if you get a flashlight and there's something in the web, if you shine it at night, there's like this huge four foot shadow on the sidewalk of a spider but it's like literally oh, the spider nice you know so it's like right. it's kind of like that halloween um esque yeah um, like light display that you is like literally a spider <laughs> except um in the puppeteer sense or the shadow puppet sense. right so, wow that's cool yeah i've been trying to like re-explore um like freak out the neighborhood children well that <laughs> and and just like playfulness and remembering that there yeah. are like still a lot of beautifully marvelous wondrous things all around right us on. if we take the time to notice you just them. gotta take the time to see it yes to notice yeah so thank you for that reminder yeah i've i've definitely needed it myself so i'm happy to help <laughs> try to remind others as right well on. and i've been feeling better for that cool well without further ado let's go into this interview yeah We've got Annalisa and Eric from Miles of Portraits. Welcome to the show. Hey, Catherine. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. And our listeners, uh, longtime listeners, may remember uh, we've had a, a, I guess you're um, getting into the two to three time appearance list. Um, Annalisa. But also the zero time appearance Oh, the zero time. (laughs) Yes, because we are calling in on the phone. Well, Annalisa was here. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you were here Um, in person. So yeah, it's it's good to talk to you. Uh, it's been a little while since last we got to catch up, and um, you're both up to some exciting things. Um, and in a little bit of a small world, traveling in a part of the world um, that I've had a tiny bit of experience in. Um, but but before I foreshadow um, 
too much, <laughs> I wanted to ask um, how you've been and what you've been up to for the past, you know, six to 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the last time we spoke was before our last Kickstarter, which was for uh, the 1,000-mile ride around Alaska. And so um, since our Alaska trip, Eric and I actually went on a 13-stop REI speaking tour, um, which was also a bike trip that we um, we cycled from Los Angeles to Denver, and we stopped at REIs along the way to screen our Alaska film and tell our story. Um, and yeah, that was the that took up most of like the beginning of this year. Um, and then I guess there's a lot going on, like. Eric's training for a marathon. I'm about to do a half marathon. Um, and we're planning our next bike trip in South India, which will be the first time that Miles of Portraits goes international. And so we're doing another Kickstarter for that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And when you were up in Alaska, you didn't um, transit through Canada. You sort of went all the way up to Alaska, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. Right. We just we flew into Anchorage and we did a loop out of there. Gotcha. Um, well, with the um, REI tours and the stops and such, uh, we actually had one of our, I'm trying to remember who, but we, I, it, we had one of our listeners who sort of connected at one of those events. So um, Wayne Norman. Yeah, yeah Wayne Norman. Uh, That's Wayne. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's great, great to hear about that and great to sort of have that, like, I think of it as an extended cycling family, so to speak, um, where, we, you know, folks who are sort of into the same thing tend to run into each other no matter where they are in the world um Mm -hmm. with the rei stuff there was also a um article that you had written annalisa that was talking about uh pool noodles and i remember it it got some pretty good traction (laughs) because um I, I know when my sister sends me cycling articles that they probably have a pretty wide readership. Um, so that that was nice to see. Would you care to tell a little bit about how that inspiration for the pool noodle came up and um, sort of sort of uh, what you learned from that experience? Sure. Yeah. So Eric and I love using pool noodles on the road. Um, it all started with um, so there's this guy in Toronto like a few years ago who started doing it and. Um, I don't think it ever really caught on that much. Um, we just like, we kept hearing about it and we've always wanted to try it. Um, so actually on our Alaska trip last year, um, we kept like wanting to try it. And Eric realized that he had a different form of a pool noodle, which was a tripod that he was carrying. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and so that's, <laughs> that's kind of like where we started toying with the idea and once he put that on there it was like the happiest I've ever seen him because it really works like magic like he he just literally stuck out his tripod into the road and um cars would move over to the other lane nice and so um (laughs) it's I strongly recommend it um and then on this past trip through the southwest um we finally just bought one from from the supermarket they're like literally two dollars um and strap them on our bikes and we have um mirrors on our sunglasses so it was just like so satisfying to ride down the road and like watch as like almost every single car moved over to the other lane because they see your pool noodle and it kind of it's just this weird contraption and it just causes them to like 
think twice and actually move over um, rather than just constantly skim you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I wrote an, <laughs> I wrote an article about it for court um, because I just wanted more people to know about it because I thought it was like the best thing that we've done for safety over our bike travels. Um, and the article went like completely viral. I think like 70,000 people shared it on Facebook. And I was even like biking in Colorado at one point, And this woman, like I was telling her about my story and she's like, Oh, I just like read your article. Online. <laughs> so it's just crazy to like <laughs> actually meet people and like in real life who have read the article. Yeah. Which is a crazy experience. <laughs> I, I had a coworker actually put a pool noodle on their bike and they were like yeah i read this article and i decided <laughs> to do this because you know we don't have like the greatest uh we, where we work we don't have the best infrastructure to get there and um uh, yeah he was tired <laughs> of of being skimmed and he said yeah i read this article and i finally decided to do it i'm tired of being skimmed and uh yeah it was just really funny because i was like oh i know the writers of that mm-hmm <laughs> When you were uh, biking about, so we always have on tour, I feel like, folks who come up and are curious about um, the bike as a contraption, like, where are you going? What are you doing? And a lot of the work that you do focuses on the questions that you're asked when you're cycling, um, and in in particular, um, leading up to the trip uh, overseas as well, with the pool noodle what like what percentage of people or do you feel like it was just the topic of conversation like not not only as the for the article but like as you were riding even, as well even veteran bike tourists yeah i had this fun moment where i was just like we left tucson and we had this conversation about how fast you can go on a bike because there's a lot of professional cyclists in tucson that ride mount lemon yeah and yep. i kind of got inspired by that like going down this huge canyon uh like Salt River Canyon, it's like right like northeast out of Tucson. Mm-hmm. And with the pool noodle, like it's so much easier to take up a full lane. And I was cruising down for like five or ten minutes. And then I finally got down to like a rest stop and there's a car behind me and they came up to me and they're like, Hey, we noticed that pool noodle. Like, what's it for? Like, are you going swimming or what's going on? <laughs> I thought what was <laughs> I thought what was so interesting is like how it changed like bike tours. So often we feel like this negative vibe towards us. Like people are like, why are you taking this part of the road from me? Or like, why are you there? And like with the pool noodle, they're just like so baffled by it. It's like all of a sudden fun again. Mm. And when I was like, (laughs) hey, I know you're following me. How fast was I going? They're like 47 miles an hour. I was like, holy. (laughs) Oh, wow. Nice. Um, Yeah. And so I think it just like brings back like the fun of like touring, like a little bit of like also reminding people like, like that childhood like hey we're just having like the time of our lives right now it's like the uh the card in the spokes that makes the motorcycle sound or, yeah. or something like that swell so, like, yeah get your, the, cool uh, noodle, I, get your cards out yeah, yeah. <laughs> i had joked a little bit um <laughs> completely jokingly like sometimes i feel like i would i would do the pool noodle but i'd have like a poleaxe or something because <laughs> um it, people people tend to like go pretty close by um it's nice though it it almost feels like it's the like just like you were talking about the whimsical nature like if if there was the equivalent of like um a wild display of feathers like a peacock or something like that except for uh bicycles you're you're um just like throwing people for such a loop that they forget that they're like wanting to get upset at you or something like that. 
Yeah, it really did become the first, like the very first question that everyone asked us. Asked us, and yeah, it just really lightened everything up for sure. Yeah, nice. Well, I'll have to give the pool noodle a try on the next tour I take. I am curious, and I'm guessing you didn't, but at $2 a piece, did you experiment with different colors of pool noodles <laughs> in which was the most effective for uh, traffic <laughs> diversion? I think what's uh, fun is I had a, you know, we have lots of moms who now are kind of like our trail angels looking out for us. And, and when we mentioned India as our next trip, it was only the first word out of her mouth. She's like, you better have 60 pool noodles attached to that bike. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of the trip to India, um, tell us a little bit about the Kickstarter and the upcoming trip. Sure. So, so kind of similar to you, Guthrie, um, I was invited to the wedding of my two good friends from college who are getting married in uh, Calicut in, in the state of Kerala. Mm-hmm. And so um, the first thought that I had when I got invited to the wedding was like, how can I make this a bike trip? Yeah. Because I'm already, you know, going <laughs> to fly halfway around the world. You know, we might as well make a bike trip out of it. Um, so that's kind of what prompted uh, the first international trip to be in India. And so this is the first time that we're taking miles of portraits out of the U.S. Eric and I kind of feel that we've seen, we've crossed America a few times and we think it's ready to, we're ready to, kind of go global with it and explore places that we're more unfamiliar with. Um, And so we're going to do a Kickstarter for our first international trip in starting on October 22nd and ending on November 26th. Um, And Eric and I are really like, we feel like there's kind of this stigma around crowdfunding and Kickstarter, but it's something that really excites us because it gives us the opportunity to really like spread our story and, it's just like a great marketing tool and um, way to spread your story. Yeah. Well, and I mean, um, you also had like some pretty neat um, stuff that was associated with that. I know that I've got the um, Miles of Portraits uh, picture book uh, at our place. And it's it kind of a nice like conversation starter and a uh, reminder of the trip that you two had taken up in the north. Um, with that, in terms of having miles of portraits in the u.s do you feel like you are going in with a certain um like goal in terms of talking with people or sort of like how do you approach that um and i'm imagining that you you have your your ways with touring just in general but is there anything that you wanted to specifically um sort of learn more about in india as opposed to the u.s that you might not be able to otherwise i think something that dennis who was someone we met on the Transamerica Trail and then actually led or lead some adventure cycling tours. He made this observation that the longer he follows cyclists, he sees this shift from like just purely cycling to a larger like goal or mission. And I think that resonated with me because I never expected cycling, let alone miles of portraits, to teach me how kind people were. You know, like for those listening, like I'm from New York. Annalise and I are both from New York, and it's this certain like grind and going out into the the rural sides of America. I was expecting a certain scene, and I was like, wow! Like time and time again, people are so kind, and and like I've embraced that for the American people. And so it's interesting now saying, hey, I'm going out to India, and all of a sudden, the exact same fears that came up when I told people we were riding across the U.S. like rebubbled. And so it's kind of like 
well, will it be the same experience as riding around North America or will it be different? Um, and like, I'm really interested in seeing that like cultural scene that's like outside of what the norm is for like an American. Hmm. Yeah, Eric and I um, are putting together a Kickstarter video that's kind of surrounding that theme of fear and these like usual questions that we get asked and these remarks that people like people really do say the darnest things like, um, you know, like, are you out here alone? Or like, where's your boyfriend? Or um, just crazy remarks like that um, that come from just like in, in general, I feel like on the news people, um, there's just stories that are blown out of proportion and make it seem like, in general, the world is on fire and, like, it's filled with, you know, kidnappers and serial killers. And um, that's the whole concept of Miles of Portraits is to just show that through riding our bikes, we've really learned that for the most part, the world is a kind place. Yeah, you gotta gotta give it that chance first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for the trip, you uh, were, we were talking a little bit before the show about the route that you're taking. I'm curious, um, you know, traveling, and you've traveled by plane before, but in arriving in a place that you're not familiar with, uh, what does your planning look like? And sort of how do, how much do you like to prepare ahead? Are you going to be doing anything differently? Um, it, and uh, what's, what's that research process look like for you? Yeah, so right now, since this trip was kind of, we only um, decided to do this trip about um, a month or two ago, um, after I got invited to this wedding. So we're still in the stages of planning, and um, we haven't really gotten our route straightened out yet. Um, but definitely, Guthrie, we're going to look at your the route that you took, because I know that you started in um, Bangalore, and you cycled through Kerala, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're thinking about doing some sort of loop out of Kochi and then going down um, the coast. Mm -hmm. to the very like southern tip of india and, um, but we're still open to suggestions yeah uh well if any of our listeners are listening in and have suggestions for places mm -hmm. to cycle in southern india um let us know or uh we, c we can pass them along mm -hmm. uh you had stumbled across something that i hadn't known about at the time that i was biking there but it seems like there's actually sort of an established route sort of like uh for kerala the equivalent of um like a scenic bikeways here in oregon or such Right. It was, um, I forgot the name of this touring company, but I just, I found this touring company called, I think they're called Silk Roads, and they have a trip that they organize out of Kochi, and it's a loop out to Top Station and Manar, like that area, and then um, back down through Aleppo. And so we might follow something similar to that, just because we know that it's a frequented route. <laughs> Yes, nice. I, especially um, <clears throat> if you if you're like have a little bit of, I, I guess like precedence to follow along. That's always it's comforting in a sense. Like ah, this is possible. <laughs> it's, it's been done before. <laughs> we know there's a route yeah. here. We yeah. don't have to like bushwhack exactly. our way through it. Yeah. Well, speaking of bushwhacking, I remember uh, when I was down there with Marika, we relied pretty extensively on a offline mapping application, and I was just always so charmed by its definition of what roads were um 
it, it, we <laughs> find times where it's like, oh yeah, there's totally a line that connects this place to this place. Um, but you're just on a dirt path kind of out like in the middle of the woods and there's like people all over the place. Like you're, you're like waiting, you're passing, you're, you're doing all that jazz, but you're just like, yeah, you couldn't take, you couldn't take like a trike on this, uh, let alone a vehicle, but gosh darn it there's a path here so we're, we're gonna have at it um and i really enjoyed that experience uh we definitely like wondered like if we're gonna get a dead end or anything like that but uh to its credit everything connected and uh might might have been the very slow way to go about things but it certainly got us from point a to point b right yeah that's right you're um we listened to your um when you were on the sprocket and also the pedal shift when you were li- when you were talking about india and when you were talking about uh, just how cycling in India is kind of safer than even cycling in Portland, Oregon. Um, just because yes. <laughs> it, feels yes. like, it felt that way. It certainly in felt that ways, way. Yeah, it felt like, like after you get used to it and after you get used to kind of being in the flow of things and understanding how it moves kind of like a river, um, that really eased my nerves because that wasn't like my biggest fear about India was the safety of the roads. But hmm. it kind of makes sense that drivers like because they're so used to seeing bikes and other vehicles on the road that they're like they look out for you more yeah i like to think so that that at least was my experience <laughs> yeah cool um well is there any kitchen sink items that you uh plan to bring along that are completely uh nonsensical but you're you're gonna do so no matter what besides the pool noodle <laughs> I mean, I'm always impressed that we travel around with, like, a full production studio. Uh, I mean, I travel with a MacBook Pro, which, like, every time I look about narrowing things down, I'm like, the fact that there is a full laptop, a drone, and a camera on this bike um, is always an interesting observation. I'm hoping to upgrade my camera by this trip, but then also bring the drone just because, like, I know some of the scenery will be, like, absolutely beautiful. We're going through some of the, the tea fields out there. But I'm always just, like, impressed when people look at our bikes and they're like, wow, that's everything you have to live. And I'm like, yeah, it's everything. And we're able to actually document our entire <laughs> journey. You know, so it's like that and more. Uh-huh. Um, plus managing everything with type 1 diabetes. I'm like, yeah, one of my pioneers is just medical stuff. Right. Uh, that always kind of, like, blows my mind of like i guess you know in essence how much you can trickle down your life into like a few bags that's something i love about bike touring mm-hmm. i get the impression that you'll yeah, be this... oh sorry after you annalisa oh um oh, i was gonna say that one of our favorite items to bring along is also the the food processor which we've like tried to tell everyone about um because we find it to be even like almost better than having a little stove because it's basically just like a little mini food processor that you can just make flaws out of everything with. <laughs> um, so you can just like make hummus on the road or like guacamole. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a great item to have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was going to say, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with um, your fellow cyclists and how much they will have on their bikes. Because I remember like, going through and being like yeah i've got four panniers and like something on the back and i'm carrying a lot of the stuff for marika so that she can um have a, a better time with it with a mountain bike um and we were by far like 
medium for ah. the amount of things that people were carrying. So <laughs> that's um, right. That that's always when when people are like, oh, well, you know, how would I put it on my bike? And they're talking about being flabbergasted that one could have a pannier attached to their to their cycle. Um, I'm always reminded of <laughs> those times cycling where I'm like, oh wow, you can fit a lot on a bicycle and look really good doing it. Um, so yeah, that that uh, w- was always a bit. Um, interesting to see the different ways that people were able to make that and manage. Yeah. My background was always hiking. Uh, Annalise is the one that convinced me to get into bike touring. And that was, it was the amount of stuff you're able to bring, but then also the access to fresh food. I think in India, it'll be really interesting to see what the food situation's like, but I always love Annalise and I, in spite, you know, kind of because we have type one diabetes, but also that I think, her and I both are just natural cookers, are always making fresh food. It's something people have remarked on as we traveled around. And so, like, we always love using, like, chickpeas, which I assume will be available in India, lentils, which I know will be available in India. And so that will be, like, an interesting thing to observe and, and, like, witness as we go through just, like, a completely different culture and a different, you know, this whole dietary, um, like, scene and just exploring that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The, um, oh, what was I going to say? The, uh, ah, yes. So speaking of, um, type one diabetes and, and sort of managing with that one big difference between your Alaska trip and, um, the trip in Kerala will be that it's likely to be quite a bit warmer. I'm curious what your insulin management strategy is. And I know you've done the U.S. part. I was going to ask exactly that. I've been waiting. Aaron and I will tag team. I stole it from you. I've been quiet this whole time looking for a way to wedge this into the conversation. Hey, Aaron, did you want to ask a question? (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about type 1 diabetes. And I know that was a concern when you did your cross-country trip. But um, how... Yeah, how do you change your strategy when when thinking about this trip going through India? He said without prompt yeah, so from Guthrie at all. <laughs> in Alaska, as type one diabetics, um, our biggest fear, or at least my biggest fear, was the bears because we need um, some sort of sugar in our tent just in case we go low at night. And so, obviously, that's not ideal with the, all the bears that are there. Oh yeah. So. Um, yeah, so Eric and I did keep, like, sealed candy in our tents, um, and we're just <laughs> happy that we're still alive. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we did have a bear canister, and we put most of our food in there, like, 100 yards from the tent, but we still kept food, like, emergency food in our tents. Um, so that was the biggest fear in Alaska, and then in... Kerala in India, it's going to be really humid, and so it's more like the keeping the temperature of our insulin um, cool. And that's actually something that I just had a problem with recently because I was in um, Tucson, Arizona last week, going on some bike rides there, and it was so hot that I got like my first lip sunburn. <laughs> like it was really hot. Oh no! And I was wondering. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if my insulin was okay and my blood sugar. So when your blood sugar rises, that means um, that you need more insulin. And so um, my blood sugar was kind of trending very high for the past week. And I was wondering if it was because my insulin was bad. And so eventually I I realized that it was because um, I changed my insulin in my insulin pump 
um, to the insulin that was in my fridge here in Brooklyn, and, like, my numbers are completely fine. So just to give you an idea of, like, how heat can really, like, yeah. render your insulin bad. Um, so I think there's, yeah, there's some ways that we can kind of make sure that that doesn't happen. There's some cases that um, will, it's called a Frio case. Um, maybe Eric can talk more about the technology because I'm not exactly sure how it works. Um, but it uses, like, crystals to keep the insulin cool. Um, and then there's this device called Med Angel where you can, like, just have a thermometer in where your insulin is to make sure that it doesn't go above, like, an unsafe temperature. Um, and then I always, like, keep frozen water bottles on top of my insulin when I bike touring. Yeah. Tell us about the, the tech. I'm curious because, like, in my mind, uh, I was thinking back to the trip that I did. That was the first time that I had a Dynamo Hub and I got one of the uh, USB adapters. And what, what you made me think of describing that experience was, oh, what if there was like a little travel case with a USB plug um, that, that had a cooling unit? And so like as you cycle, you're actually like actively cooling this small pouch or something like that. That would be like, I guess, a highly specialized thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, everybody has like backup batteries. <laughs> There's an idea. And if you could, if you could like if your insulin was like a, a car battery or something like that and you can extend your mileage by by plugging in like a little mini battery or such like people carry for laptops um you could give yourself a much healthier margin or something like that um but yeah i'd be curious to hear from eric what some of that tech is and like um where things are at and, and sort of not restricting the ability uh for folks with type one to travel and have fun what i think is interesting and you know, so our, our Kickstarter focused around fear. And so before, like, diving into technology, it's like, at the base, we need insulin. And what's surprising right now, and if anyone's following, like, Senate congressional hearings, is that insulin pricing and insulin access is actually the worst almost around the world in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And no so kidding. Oh, yeah. It's kind of fast, fascinating, like, as I've traveled to Canada... Like, I can walk into any pharmacy, get insulin at a very affordable rate, no prescription needed, like, completely transparent, just being like, you are a type 1 diabetic. And and that's when I think when people talk about how when you travel, you learn more about yourself and your country than about the other place. I think that's kind of true. And I know India won't have as much technology in terms of diabetes management because Annalise and I now use uh, a system called Loop, which basically, like, runs everything off of your smartphone. It's a do-it-yourself system, but there is a lot of technology. You need access to smartphones, but also insulin pumps and, like, a whole bunch of other things to really get it up and going. And I know talking to Apuvra, who is a type 1 diabetic who spent time in India, like, that technology isn't there. But, like, it'll be interesting to see, like, can we buy insulin over the counter? What's the price of it? Because I think a lot of people forget. It's like, as you travel, it's like there are millions and millions of people who live with type 2 and type 1 diabetes. And, like, that's where you get to see how their healthcare system works. And I think as Americans, we're like, oh, like, we have this salt down pat. And I'm like, no, we actually have more problems than the rest of the world Whoa. getting our basic needs, like, be- before even talking about technology and that's where I think some advocacy comes into like into place. It's almost as if 
the need for profit gets in the way with in with bake or gets in the way of basic needs. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's interesting that like profits or like insulin has skyrocketed to a price of around three hundred fifty dollars. Oh, damn! Insurance in the U.S. where in Canada it's close to fifty dollars. Just from personal experience, I've gone and just gone into a pharmacy <laughs> to experience it. But then, like Annalise and I have had issues where we bike across the U.S. and the U.S. mandates or you know the fillers that we use, like they'll be like, "Oh, you have to send a three month supply home." And so both her and I have had our parents ship out insulin from our home address to meet us like halfway across the country. Oh, man. All of a sudden, we're not using a specific brand such as CVS that might only be located on the East Coast. Hmm. And that's like what's really fascinating to observe being like, I'm an American, I'm traveling state by state, but all of a sudden we bump into all these issues and other nations don't have this issue. And like, I think... People are always curious, is our story about type 1 diabetes? Is it about the people that we need? Is it cycling? And I'm like, it's everything. Like, you have two type 1 diabetics out there on the road who have their own personal stories, but then we use that to spotlight other people, and that's where we learn about other issues, which is, like, I think so eye-opening. That's why the bike, like, bringing it back to the bike, that's why the bike is such an amazing journalistic piece because we hear on the ground every 50 miles or every 30 miles what people are dealing with. And, like, I'm so excited to see what India, um, like, what we've learned from that. Yeah, right on. Awesome. Yeah. Well, a lot to think about and uh, a little bit of planning to do. Aaron, yeah. you look like you had one more question. Oh, no, oh, just okay. <laughs> just in, in the realm of, of wrapping up, I, I asked my one question. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> um, you got yours. But... <laughs> In the realm of of just sort of wrapping this all together, so you've got a Kickstarter going, and how would we find this? Oh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so right now we don't have, like, as of this recording, we don't have the the Kickstarter link. But if you I mean, go you will have Miles a Kickstarter Portrait. going, right? <laughs> so if you can go to milesportraits dot com <laughs> to find the Kickstarter. Um, we'll, we'll like link it all over the place. Um, sorry, was that your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just you know, how how can we fund your trip? We yeah, we being all of us <laughs> listening, <laughs> or or simply find out more information oh, wow. yeah, <laughs> if we're curious. <laughs> so we have a few rewards, and the main ones are. Um, so in case we haven't mentioned it, um, Miles of Portraits is a magazine and film about the people we meet as we ride our bikes around the world. So there's these two components to it. There's the magazine of all the portraits of the people we meet, and then there's the film um, that documents um, interviews with these people, but also our, our own stories and our own adventures. And so um, you can pledge on the Kickstarter for either one magazine, which would be the India magazine that we're going to complete next year, or a four-pack of all the four trips that we've done and the portraits that have been taken on those trips. So um, of across America, Alaska, from L.A. to Denver, which is the southwest one, and then for India, so that's like the four-pack. Uh, so those are the ways that you can support us by pledging. And sure. And I think also, <laughs> yeah, a shout-out to like everyone that was involved in Kickstarter. Uh, what was so fascinating to observe like 
our first Kickstarter to this one, like beyond, like I still find it remarkable where our photography has ended up. Like Annalisa taking a shot of insulin on the cover of Adventure Cycling, and then Pearl Azumi used one of our Alaska photos to run like an uh, ad in Outside Magazine. Like to me, that blows my mind. My background is not in photography, but then organizing this Kickstarter and seeing how many cyclists who we have met in various ways, such as Janie Hayes, who we met just because she was racing the Transamerica Trail. Uh, it's like Olivia Round so, to this podcast, like you guys were involved. I think it's really amazing to experience that like warmth and embrace of the cycling community. And that was something I never had before touring before. Um, and so like, I'm really, really excited now editing this, like sharing all those voices and being like, here's kind of a collective effort to launch hopefully a next project that is hopeful and optimistic for the world. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, Annalisa and Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much, Guthrie and Aaron. (laughs) Great talking with you. Yeah, and uh, looking forward to hearing some updates and hopefully a fun and uh, enjoyable trip. And maybe even seeing you in person. Check out the... Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Check out the <laughs> the Kickstarter video for a, a cameo of Guthrie, too. Oh, yeah. He'll be in it. Oh, shoot. Yeah. No, it's known. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, always happy to help out with some fun projects. Well, thank you again for hanging out with us. Thank you. I'm on the rug. But... I was because I've been thinking about just like eschewing the bed that I have. Oh yeah, because I it's not a comfortable bed, and then why keep it? Yeah. My, yeah, well, my roommate actually likes that. Um, Keegan likes it, uh, yeah. and so I'm like, there you I, go. I'm doing the weak experiment of like, yeah, if I can like swing it. I wanted to get like a. Um, Ed says the tatami mat is more for uh, like just like actual flooring. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, you know, if you don't mind sleeping on, so I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll go. I just feel like camping. I feel like I didn't get enough camping this summer. I'll <laughs> <laughs> camp on my own floor, darn that, it. That's right. Perpetual camping. Camp in my own backyard. You no, know, I lived, I lived, <laughs> not lived on, I slept on a plywood sheet for a long time. I, plywood is actually really comfy. It's not too bad. It yes. Is, it has a, yes. just a good amount of give, like depending on what they use for the bonding, like it can be a little bit, like just enough. Just I, enough. No, like, you're right. Full you're disclosure, right. I too have slept on plywood <laughs> before. Well, for years. In fact, yeah. in fact, if Anna and I weren't together, I probably would still be sleeping on that plywood. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> hey, plywood is, it's got your back. Started in college when like, you know, when you, when you live in the dorms and you build the uh the loft you know so you can make space mm-hmm. um oh wow i actually ran through the whole end of that i'm gonna play it again um whoops. no no ah. um yeah you build the loft so you have a little bit more space uh rather than put the mattress back on it because it looked gross to me i just slipped on the plywood yep and then perpetually slept on the plywood. <laughs> it's not a bad way to go. Yeah, I mean, if you start built, noticing some like I built mold several stuff, lofts but... over over my over my years uh, outside of college, but still ended up sleeping on um, plywood. Yum. <laughs> yeah.
Don't hey, knock it. Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> what's coming up on our calendar? Our calendar. The second Thursday of every month, the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The first Friday of every month, the San Francisco Bike Party. The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party. Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Also, also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party. The last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party. And the first Saturday of every month, the Civil Unrest Ride. Lastly, every second Sunday of every month, right here in Portland, the Corvidae Bike Club Ride. And upcoming film-by-bike tour dates, Coos Bay, Oregon, November 2nd, and Akron, Ohio, November 3rd. Keep it real, Akron. Whoa, shot of foot. Sorry. Ah. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Pedal just as fast as we can into the morning light. Pedal just as fast as we can into the daylight. Pedal just as fast. The headlines are this week. We don't have headlines. Whoa, again. Just nothing's nothing's happening. There are things no, that are happening. There, there are things happening. We're, we're taking a headline hiatus. We, kind of like might, hiatus coyote, but maybe, less well-sounding. Maybe. More maybe. well-sounding. I, I might even just go so far as to say I might be a little out of touch right now, mm. but I will get back in touch. Gotta Gotta fire up that bike, Portland. <laughs> right and that city lab <laughs> yes i'll get to it all good well you know what we'll we, make a we, pledge right we, now did we talk about week. the death of cardigo we talked about we that already yeah, yeah. okay yeah see the headlines it's just been so much bad news yeah and that's <laughs> the thing is like i feel like i'd rather maybe not have headlines if most of the headlines are not good it's not it's not ignoring it it's taking time to recuperate there you go um, yeah, but we'll, we'll grab some headlines for next week. I actually have some stuff um, that I wanted to chat about, oh, but I'll save it right till then. Um, well, you know what we do have? What do we have? We got mail. Hey, we got mail. Shadowfoot from New <gasps> Zealand. Says, All the way from New Zealand. Chimes in to chide us. Chide? Chide? Comment. Comment, okay. Inform? <laughs> Reflect? Please, with a request, anyways. Yes, a request. <laughs> Says, good show, but don't ever do the Simpsons Don't ever outro. do the Simpsons outro again. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it got, it, I got, I'll say, I, I sort of got lazy towards the end. Well. It was also pretty bad. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe that sounds like we just need to commit to the bit. <laughs> yeah. You maybe, just that, get, maybe that was our just problem. Just get better over, over like, by doing it over and over again, right? <laughs> uh, that's what that skip button at the end's for, right? <laughs> no, we'll uh we appreciate the feedback and uh wish you the best down in a different part of the world Not than we down are presently. Under. Well, you see I, I was Yeah. I was pretending to say that, but since you said it wish you the best no no no. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Making friends. Making friends. <laughs> thank fun. you. Thank you, Shadowfoot. I, yeah. I hope, even though you you may not enjoyed it, enjoyed it, I hope you slightly enjoyed it. We will 
not sometimes, make it our ringtone. You know, yeah. Sometimes it's so bad, it's good. And sometimes it's so bad, it passes good and goes back to bad. Yeah. But if you keep with it, it might get good again. See, that's the danger, though. If you're talking, <laughs> if you're talking improv, like... We just got to keep doing it just, until it's good. Just repeat <laughs> we miss it that boat. over. And, it may not be funny the first time or the second time and maybe not the third time. But the 10th time? The 10th or 11th, maybe 12th. I don't know. You just got to keep doing it. Exactly. And doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, There's well. Kristen, Kristen Shaw, comedian Kristen Shaw, used, used to do a bit where like- her and another person on stage would just sing one line over and over again while she danced. And it was almost like, well, I'm sure it was like performance art, but uh, yeah, it would, the audience reaction would go through this phase of like, ah, this is funny. Okay. This is really old. Okay. Mm. Please stop doing this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. We're done to like, uh, it's getting kind of funny again. Uh -huh. Oh, this uh -huh. is pretty funny. Oh, my God, they're still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Do you ever watch the old, like, episodes of Mr. Show? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jane, Jane showed me those yeah. a while back. Yeah. Um, she she being the first and much, much more, like, uh, experienced with those. But, yeah, it's, like, good comedy never ages. It does not. That's a good point. It's universal. And it punches up. Yes. George Carlin. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thank you for listening, everybody. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Annalisa and Eric, for hanging out with us on the telephone wires. Or I guess they're not even wired anymore. Who am I kidding? How old am I? Thank you for ringing us up, r giving us a ring on the party line. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's just do this. <laughs> the Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio thanks to the generous support of OpenSignal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at sprocketpodcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurtbird for our headlines sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Shadowfoot. Thanks for writing. Katharina Melgard. Wayne Norman. Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean. Richard Wazinski. Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish. Matt Kelly. Eric Wise. Todd Parker. Dan Gubhart. Who's, who's a, a time, time traveler. traveler? Dave knows. Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley. Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna. I'll uh, be home soon. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who's sitting across the table from me. What? That's weird. <laughs> Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Reed Granary. Campsite, Macnurse David, Nathan Poulton. Chris Ross in Rory in Michigan, Michael Flournoy. Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman. Harry Hugel, EJ Finneran, Brad Hipwell. Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom. Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Chris, Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks, Marshall, Paula at Funitaki Cyclecraft. Philip M., Spartan Dale, no relation. Mr. T., who never really left, Bike Initiative Kiwana, Sarah G. Adam D., Go Dig a Hole, Beth Hammond, 
And Greg Murphy. And all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brush our teeth. And go to bed. We'll just listen to all this music that's still going on. I will definitely and go to bed. While we're not reading the credits. We killed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> hey, how you doing, Annalisa? Doing well. Um, so you can hear me. Can you hear Aaron? Hello. Hello. Awesome. And then can everybody hear Eric? Uh, I can't hear on the I thought I heard Eric. Oh, okay. So we might be on the separate, uh, separate, separate line channel conundrum. conundrum. Okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, we wanted to try this because that would have been swell. Um, but what we can do is <laughs> conference in. So, uh, half a moment. We sure. could we could do old school. Have both of our phones on speaker and then mic those phones. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. Let's see. <laughs> Call. Oh. Oh, it's on hold. How do you do merge uh, calls? Guthrie is calling yeah. you, Eric. Yeah. Go you want ahead. me to accept it? Yes. He's not spoofing. Alrighty. Alright. Do you want me to merge anything? Or, uh... Um, I... Oh, I can hear Eric. Yeah, I'm showing merged for both. Um, how are we doing? Uh, okay. So I can hang up on my end? Okay. Boom. Bye, everybody. I mean, hello, everybody. Okay, so... Um, can everybody hear Aaron? Hello. This I is... heard Aaron. Yay. Okay, sweet. Um, yeah, well, yep. I think we are good to go then. I'm going to turn that up a little bit. Aaron's doing a tiny bit of mic adjustment, um, and then we'll be off to the races. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for organizing this. Yeah, totally. We'll figure out Skype calling one of these years. This this year is not the year. <laughs> Is my <laughs> okay. Is my audio okay? Um, you're a little faint. I think Eric sounds like a little bit of a stronger signal. Um, but it's not terrible. Yeah. Should I get into a closet? Um, I would go wherever your signal is strongest. I I guess. Um, closet or not? Oh, if you could take your Wi-Fi router into a closet, actually, that would be best. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you've got the the strong signal plus some sound isolation. <laughs> yeah, I think it sounds exactly. pretty good because we'll be able oh. to boost that channel or do some oh, yeah. audio yeah. stuff on it. We, we've got a phone filter. Um, cool. Oh, we have a phone filter. Yeah, the magic of Hindenburg audio. Yay. Um, swell. So yes, we. Uh, I guess we'll we'll launch into it. Um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna record this segment and then we're gonna like wrap all of our, the rest of our show around it. Um, before we get started, is there anything that you want to make sure that we cover? And conversely, is there anything that you want us to steer away from for some reason? Not exactly. I guess just our like the Kickstarter and our trip to India, but okay. we're pretty open. Cool. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it was interesting how many people we had involved in our Kickstarter. I was surprised by that. Because Annalisa did everything. I just had to do it. Gotcha. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. You're talking about the video. Yeah, thanks, thanks for being in it, Guthrie. That was amazing. Oh, has it gone you, out already? You made the final, you, you made the rough final cut. Oh, nice. Oh, my gosh. Cool. Well, do it, do it, do what you got to do to make it shine. If, if, it, if I don't make the final, <laughs> final cut, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, cool. Well, yeah, glad that that was helpful. Um, swell. So, yeah, we'll uh, go ahead and launch into it. Uh, 